Good morning, guys. I also want to say good morning to those of you that are watching online. If you guys are just joining us, we're on a series that we're calling Building Our Lives on Values That Last. And this morning, I want us to talk about self-control. It can be eating. It could be drinking. It could be sex. It could be watching TV. It could be spending. It could even be chocolate. But I know, right? I got you there, right? You had me until you got to chocolate. <laughs> but guys, watch this. Anything in our life that's uncontrolled, anything, even good things, will eventually destroy you. Now, this particular value that we're talking about this morning, it's not one that's a popular value in today's culture. As a matter of fact, um, we're just not into discipline. We're into whatever feels good, do it. But guys, this lack of self-discipline is what I feel like is plaguing our generation, and it's led in part to the decline in morals in our country. Now, when I'm talking about self-control, I think it would probably require us doing a whole series, but just as I mentioned, self-control, it touches every single aspect of your life. But what I want us to talk about this morning is what it is that God has to say about this one particular area of self-control, and that is controlling your anger. And this is in anger. <laughs> Somebody says, oh, Lord. <laughs> That's awesome. Is that you, Miss Millie? I love it. <laughs> and this is an area, guys, that every one of us we're going to have to deal with in one way or another. Because watch this. Like, anger isn't just those who blow up, but it's also those who clam up. You see, most of people, I found that they're either one or two in life. They're either a skunk or they're a turtle. Now, when I think about this, whenever a skunk gets upset... He just stinks the place up. Like everyone knows whenever a skunk is upset, right? On the other hand, the turtle, they pull themselves into their shell. They hide. They, they cower down. And they don't blow up, but rather they clam up. Now, what I've noticed is that skunks often marry turtles. <laughs> One of you tends to let the other one know that you're not happy, but the other one tends to withdraw and be a little more reserved, right? But watch this. Both are inappropriate forms of anger. And so we both, skunks and turtles, we need to learn how to, to deal with how we feel and learn how to handle our emotions so that we don't get overwhelmed by them. Now, it's really obvious in our society that we don't know how to handle anger. Now, without going into all of the statistics and the numbers, the FBI just released some new data that shows that murder has increased by 30% just this last year. 
in 2020. Now, that's the biggest jump in six decades. Just to put it in perspective, like Aber uh, that was when Einstein was still alive. Now, it seems that people, they're getting more and more angry over even the littlest things. As a matter of fact, I was just reading this week where a guy shot his coworker because the guy didn't know how to properly put the silverware in the dishwasher. Now, let me say that I do understand how frustrating it can be whenever you tell someone a hundred times how to load a dishwasher. And I won't say which one of my offspring that I'm talking about right now. But I think that probably taking out a gun and shooting them is taking a little extreme, right? <laughs> but what causes that kind of frustration, that kind of anger? And where's all that coming from? I think that probably in part it's because we live in a fast-paced society. We're now living in a, a world where we're always on the go where we're trying to burn the candle at both ends. And as a result, people are just stressed out in life. And I think that some of that frustration comes where we now have people in society, they're irresponsible. Like we're dealing with people now who they're, they, they're not doing their part. And that's frustrating, right? And frustration causes anger. Then add the fact that our media saturates us with all kinds of commentary and opinions that absolutely affect us. I mean, there's no wonder that we are an angry people. But here's what I want us to look at this morning. What does God have to say about anger? And how do we deal with it? Because anger itself isn't a sin. Matter of fact, Scripture even says that, that God gets angry, so we know it's not a sin. All right, G Jesus got angry. And so here's what I think is so important for us to know, is that when God made us, he wired us in such a way that we can get angry. But it's how you express your anger that's the key. You see, if you don't learn to use your anger wisely, watch this, it will destroy you. Listen to what the scripture says in Proverbs 25, verse 28. A person with a self, with a, um, with, without self-control is as defenseless as a city with broken down walls. But if you use it correctly, church, watch this. Managed anger, it can actually become an asset. As a matter of fact, there are some things in life that the only proper response is to get angry. Like whenever you see someone getting taken advantage of, or any time that you see an injustice, that's an, an, an appropriate response. Because in some situations, if you don't get angry, that's just saying that, that you don't care. And that's what we call apathy. And so I'm not saying that we need to get rid of all anger. What I am saying is that we've got to learn to manage it. Now, in the book of Proverbs, God gives us seven specific truths on learning to control our anger. And so you might want to write down these notes because I can promise you that this is going to be something that you are going to need in life. I had a teacher who used to say all the time, write this down because it's going to be on the test. 
So I'm saying to you this morning, write this down because I can promise you it's going to be on the test. So let's look at the first point, okay? The first point is this. He says, if you want to learn to control your anger, the first thing that you need to do is to resolve to control it. Now that means quit saying that you can't control your anger and start saying that you can. The Bible says that we can do all things through God or through Christ who gives us strength. And so let's stop making excuses and start taking uh, responsibility for our anger. Proverbs 29 verse 11 says, a fool gives full vent to his anger, but a wise man keeps himself under control. Now, notice the word keeps. This right here, this is an act of the will. This is something that you choose to do. And if you don't grab hold of anything that I don't say, that I say to you this morning, I want you to grab hold of this, that anger is a choice. Just like any other emotion. When I worry, it's my choice. When I get depressed, it's my choice. I don't have to be. When I get discouraged, I'm choosing to be discouraged. When I'm happy, I'm choosing to be happy. And when I'm angry, I'm choosing to be angry. Now watch this. We don't like to acknowledge this, but we have a whole lot more control over our anger than we admit. For example, have you ever been in a, a fight uh, with your spouse or maybe with your kids where the volume level has gone up? Huh? None of you, right? Of course not. <laughs> yes. I'm talking about like wherever the temperatures are, are, are ri- raising up and, and you're, you're mad and, and you're Ah, and the voice is going up, and then all of a sudden, uh, your phone rings, right? You, you go from, that wasn't my fault, to, ring, hello? <laughs> sure, <laughs> it's for you, babe, <laughs> right? <laughs> but what happened? Watch this. You chose to control your anger. Why? Because at that point, you realize this is a, an appropriate time to where I don't want to show this. And so you have more control over your anger than what you realize. And that's why the Bible says that we are to resolve to control it. Now, to resolve simply means to advance or or to uh, decide in advance. And this is the first key. If you're serious about learning how to use anger rather than abuse anger, then you've got to start in advance. It's got to happen before you hit the boiling point. And so that means that you need to develop some, some strategies in advance of the crisis. And that's what it means to uh, resolve to control it. You desi- decide in advance uh, that you're going to control your anger with God's help. Now, maybe you're wondering, well, why should I resolve to control it? Well, point number two, because you need to realize the cost. If I realize that all anger has a price tag, I'm more likely to control it. When I realize the high cost of uncontrolled anger, then I'm li- less likely to give into it. Now, the Bible says, and it's very specific about this, 
about the, the high cost of uncontrolled anger. Proverbs 29 verse 22 says, an angry person causes trouble. A person with a quick temper sins a lot. Listen, I'll be the first to confess, church, that a large portion of the mistakes that I have made in my life is the result of uncontrolled anger. But had I realized that there was a high cost associated with that, I would have taken better steps to do something about it. Here's a good verse, Proverbs 14, verse 17. People with hot tempers do foolish things. <laughs> Never seen anyone who's mad go and make a fool of themselves? Huh? Anyone? Yeah. If any of the wives right now aren't raising their hand, it's only because love covers a multitude of sin, right? <laughs> Listen to this verse, uh, Proverbs 11, verse uh, 29. Uh, the fool who provokes his family to anger and resentment will finally have nothing worthwhile left. Wow. That's a strong warning right there. What the Bible's saying right here is you are, always lose when you lose your temper. You may lose your reputation. You may lose your job. You may lose your children. You may lose the love of your husband or of your wife, but you always, always, always lose. There's a price tag that comes with uncontrolled anger. And guys, look at me. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. You know, as Parents were often tempted to use anger to, to motivate. Why? Well, because it works in the short term. Like you can yell at your kids and put the fear of God to them, and it will result in short-term obedience. But in the long term, you're going to lose. Because people who display anger, look, it always causes people to lose in the end. And the end result is alienation. You alienate the very people that you love the most. And the ultimate result of anger is even more anger, which then kind of leads to apathy. And that's where you, you hear people say things like, well, I couldn't care less what they think. I can't please them anyway, so I give up. Alienation and apathy are the high cost of anger. Now, the third thing that you need to know about anger, once you've resolved to control it, and once you've realized the cost, and this is step number three, and this right here is where we're going to get real practical. That is, I must restrain my mouth. In other words, this right here is where I've got to say, I've got to learn to think before I speak. Because inevitably, anger control is really about mouth control. Proverbs 21, verse 23 says, if you keep your mouth shut, you will stay out of trouble. Maybe we should make this our memory verse of the week right here, right? Put that on the refrigerator. But have you ever noticed something, by the way? Have you ever noticed that you can't put your foot in your mouth whenever it's closed? You ever thought of that? A lot of our problems in life, they come as a result of not restraining our mouth. But watch this. Here's our problem. We love to talk, don't we? 
And the more we talk, the more likely we're to say the wrong thing. For example, did you know that you will have about 30 conversations every single day? You will spend a fifth of your life talking. In one year, you'll speak enough words to fill up over a hundred, five hundred page books. The average man speaks about 20,000 words in a day. The average woman speaks about 30,000. Now, man, this is why that, that both of you, you can go to work, come home, and the other one, y'all think I'm setting you up, right? <laughs> No, this is true. This is true. And it, and it is to help give a little bit of understanding because some men don't understand this and some women don't understand this. But this is why the two of you, they can, you can go to work and, and come home and the man will be dead tired, but the woman wants to keep talking. It's because she has a, a surplus of 10,000 words. Yeah. One guy says, well, uh, don't you resent it whenever your wife gets the last word? He said, no, I'm just glad whenever she finally gets to it. <laughs> I'll just move past that point before I get in trouble. <laughs> How about a poem to transition? <laughs> it's a good poem. It really is. I'm not much of a poem guy, but I thought, man, I like this. I heard a pastor say this. A wise old owl sat in an oak. And the more he saw, the less he spoke. The less he spoke, the more he heard. Let's try to be more like that bird. That's good, huh? What are we talking about here? We're talking about restraining our mouths, church. Why? Because James 1.19 tells us to, quick to, to be quick to listen, to, to slow to speak, and slow to become anger, angry. Now, I want you to know something here, church. This right here, what I just read you, it's actually a formula. If you do the first two, the third one is going to be inevitable. If you'll be quick to listen, slow to speak, then you'll find that being slow to anger is automatic. On the other hand, if you're slow to listen, if you're quick to speak, then you're going to be quick to get angry. See, the Bible says that it all starts with restraining my mouth. Well, let me ask you something. Have you ever found that it's hard to control what you say, right? Yeah. Well, let me let you in on something. The Bible says that no one can control their mouth on their own. No one. It takes God's power to do it. Now, there are some people that have kind of bought into the, the myth that anger is, is kind of like a bucket. And whenever that bucket gets filled up, you just need to pour it out again. And once you pour it out, then you're just going to feel a whole lot better about yourself, and you're going to be uh, at peace. But can I just tell you something? That's not true. And the reason that that's not true is because you don't have a bucket of anger. You have a factory. And study after study have shown that releasing anger only creates more anger. It doesn't relieve it or reduce it. It only multiplies. Let's look at the fourth remedy for anger. I need to reflect before reacting. 
Proverbs 29 and verse 11 says, a rebel shouts in his anger. A wise man holds his temper in and cools it. It's need to cool it sometimes. Listen to this, church. Delay is a tremendous remedy for anger. Now, I'm not saying delay it indefinitely because delayed anger will eventually lead to bitterness, and that's worse than anger. And bitterness is, is always a sin, by the way. Uh, anger isn't. Jody and I, we teach conflict management as part of our pre-marriage counseling. And one of the things that I, I teach people is that we have a, a right place, a right time, and a right way. There's a right place, a right time, and a right way to deal with conflict. And one of those three is a right time. I remember whenever I was younger and immature, uh, I used to think that demanding that something gets talked about right away was somehow this righteous trait that God has given me, right? No, what it was is it was a, a lack of wisdom. Not only that, but it was also a lack of patience. I love the amplified version of Proverbs 29, verse 11, which says, A short-sighted fool always loses his temper. Man, that's good. That, that could be word studied right there. A short-sighted fool, fool it, he always loses his temper and displays his anger. But a wise man uses self-control and holds it back. Guys, listen to me. I'm going, to share, I'm going to share something with you right now. This is going to be so good for you. It's going, to, it's going to help you in so many areas. It's going to save you a lot of heartache, and it's going to save you from a whole lot of counseling. The next time you find yourself in conflict, look at me. Don't lose your temper. Don't do it. Because I can prophetically declare to you that if you do, it will not work in your favor. But rather, look, try to figure out why you're angry. Try to understand it. Listen to the wisdom of Solomon here in, in Proverbs 19, verse 11. He says, a, a person's insight gives him patience. The more you understand, the more understanding you'll be. The more you understand yourself, the more understanding you'll be of others. Before you react, ask yourself three questions. And you might want to write these three down. Number one, why am I angry? Number two, what do I really want? And number three, how do I get it? And I can tell you right away that blowing up is never, never the way to get what you want. So here's something that I learned years ago. When you get angry, watch this, that's not really the problem. Anger is always a symptom of the problem. Anger is a warning light. It's letting you know that, that something isn't right. See, there are three basic reasons for anger. And any time you find yourself angry, it's usually one of these three. It's either hurt, frustration, or fear. Now, when you understand the cause, it's a whole lot easier to deal with the cause than it is to deal with the anger. 
For instance, hurt. When we get wounded, we get angry. Have you ever caught your pinky toe on the end of your bed before? So you can relate to my pain. Okay, all right. Well, whenever that happens and you stub your toe, that's not grief. That's anger. Or maybe you're nailing up a picture or something and and you hit your thumb with the hammer. Like, you don't say, oh, I'm grieved in my spirit, right? (laughs) No, because you're, you're angry, right? Why? Because, watch this, anger. I'm sorry, hurt always turns into anger. Now, this is important to know because oftentimes, whenever your spouse, kid, or anyone for that matter, is upset and angry at you, they're just hurt. And it's easier to deal with hurt than it is anger. For example, instead of saying to your, your spouse or saying to your, your child or to your, your coworker, man, you're really getting on my nerves. All that does when you say that to other people is you're just building up a wall, and it's going to cause that other person to become defensive. But if you go to that person, and then you say to them, what you said or what you did really hurt me, then that person is going to be way more sympathetic towards you. Why? Because we are always more sympathetic to those that we hurt rather than just anger. And then, of course, frustration causes anger. Like any time we have to wait, EMD anyone? <laughs> doctor's office, at least my doctor's office. Anytime something's out of control, frustration happens. But again, we have to look past the emotion into the true source of the frustration. And guys, this is also true of fear, what we're talking about here. We often get angry whenever we're afraid. But again, we have to look past the fruit and get to the root. Remember, anger is simply an indication of something. It's a warning light. And that leads me to the fifth truth that we need to grab hold of in regards to anger. That is that when I am angry, I need to release my anger appropriately. Ephesians 4 verse 26 says, if you become angry, don't let your anger lead you into sin. In the King James Version, I believe here says, uh, be angry, uh, but sin not, or do not sin, right? There is a way to be angry and not sin. So that means that there are uh, uh, ways to do things, um, the right, to do right, to do wrong. There's, uh, there's ways that are appropriate or inappropriate. There are, there are helpful ways, and there are uh, ways that are not helpful. But pro- the problem isn't anger. It's how you handle your anger. It's how you deal with it. It's how you release it. See, the problem is that most of us, what they, we do is we express our anger in such a way that it causes us to be further from the goal instead of us moving closer to the goal. So what's the right way for us to then deal with anger? Well, I'm going to give you three ways that you're, you shouldn't deal with it. How about that? First of all, don't suppress your anger. Suppress just means that you are just storing it up inside. 
doesn't mean that you're, you're denying it, like you're acknowledging that, that it's there, but you've just bottled it up. And it's kind of like putting a can of soda in the refrigerator. Teenagers don't do that. <laughs> but if you leave that there long enough, what's going to happen? It's going to explode all over the place, right? Friends, when you swallow your anger, watch this, your stomach keeps score. If you don't learn to talk it out, then you will take it out onto your body. But there's a second thing that we're not to do. We don't repress our anger. That means we don't deny it. Denial and repressing your anger, it just leads to depression. A lot of people are depressed, um, and they're actually just dealing with repressed uh, anger. And because they're a Christian, they think that they can't express their anger. But saints, can I just tell you that there's nothing wrong with us being honest, especially being honest with God. As a matter of fact, I promise you that God wants you to be honest, and he wants you to be real about how you're feeling. And I assure you that he can take it. David gives us plenty of examples in regards to this. I'm talking about times where David said, life stinks. All right, anybody ever feel that way? Life isn't fair. My enemies, they're overtaking me. As a matter of fact, at one point, David even said, God, I don't even feel like you're with me. And so David, he pours his heart out to God, and, and he then says, God, you know, what, what am I to do? What am I to do? And then he comes back and he says, but God, I know that you're going to help me with this because where else am I going to turn but to you? Only you, God, have the answer. And so then there's the third thing that you don't do. You don't express it in inappropriate ways. You don't express your anger by blowing up by pouting, right, by having sarcasm or manipulation, because none of those expressions of anger will ever produce the purpose of God. Actually, they do quite the opposite. So we don't repress it, we don't suppress it, right, and we don't inappropriately express it. So what do we do? We confess it. That's where we admit the cause. We say, I'm hurting. I'm frustrated. Or I feel threatened. And the more honest that we can be about our anger, the easier we can deal with the root cause. Now let's look at this next verse. It's Proverbs 22, verse 24 through 25. It says, don't befriend angry people or associate with hot-tempered people, or else you'll learn to be like them and endanger your soul. Let's watch this. Anger is contagious. But watch this. Not only is it contagious, but it's something that's learned. That's why dad can come home and be all stressed out, and he yells at mom. And then mom will go and turn around and transfer it to his big brother who she yells at. And then big brother will then go and get upset at his little sister. And then the little sister will go out and kick the dog, right? And the cycle is repeated round and round and round. 
We pass it on. You see, how you express your anger, watch this, is a learned behavior. But the good news is this, is that if you learned it, oh, you know where I'm going. You can unlearn it. You don't have to live the rest of your life expressing anger in an unhealthy way. Then there's the sixth key on how to deal with anger. And that's to return good for evil. Booker T. Washington, many of you will know this quote, said, I will never let another man control my life by making him hate me. When you say, you make me mad, you are admitting they control me. You're giving them that power to control your emotions. The Bible says that the way we show that we're in control of a situation is by returning good for evil. You see, it's easy for us to retaliate. But when you try to get even, watch this, you're just then playing on the same field as them. But when you respond with good, watch this, it puts you in a higher position. Romans 12, 17 through 21 says, never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Never avenge yourselves. Leave that to God. Overcome evil with good. Friends, hear me on this. There will be times in life that you're going to be hurt and disappointed. And watch this. This is going to be true in every arena of life. It's true at work. It's true with friends. It's true with family. And yes, it's true at church as well. But the question is, How are you going to respond? Are you going to allow that to make you bitter or better? Which leads me to the seventh and the final key. And this right here is the one that ties it all together. And that is request God's help. God will help you to overcome evil with good. Psalm 1 41 and verse 3 says, Lord, help me control my tongue. Help me to be careful about what I say. And how does God help? He helps by taking us straight to the source. He takes us straight to our heart. Jesus says this in Matthew 12 verse 34. Whatever is in your heart determines what you will say. See, Jesus, he deals with the root cause. And he says that the heart of the issue is the issue of the heart. You see, it's not really my mouth that gets me in trouble. It's my heart that gets me in trouble. Now, parents, look at me. Make sure you catch this. So critical that you grab hold of this point right here. Because we've taught our kids things like, your mouth's going to get you in trouble. And whenever we say that, what we're doing is we're just teaching them to camouflage what's in their heart. Are you with me? 
Now, I'm not saying that we just let them talk however they want, but what I'm saying is that this issue is heart deep. And watch this. You don't clean the well by simply painting the pump. The water's contaminated. You've got to get down to the source. And the source isn't my mouth. The source is my heart what I've allowed inside. You see, my words demonstrate my heart's condition. Here's what I mean. A harsh tongue demonstrates an angry heart. A boastful mouth demonstrates an insecure heart. A rambling mouth demonstrates an unsettled heart. A judgmental mouth demonstrates a guilty heart, and a critical spirit demonstrates a bitter heart. On the other hand, encouraging words, they demonstrate a happy heart. Gentle words demonstrate a loving heart. Kind words and comforting words demonstrate a heart that's at peace. When God changes us, guys, watch this. He doesn't just paint the pump. He gives us a new, clean heart. Psalm 51 says, create in me a clean heart, O God. Friends, all that right there that I just shared with you, you can get all of the self-help books you want, but none of that can give you a clean, new heart. Like all the therapy in the world can't give you a new heart. Only God can do that. You see, whenever Jesus deals with your anger, he deals with the root. He recognizes when you're angry, and he recognizes why you're angry. And watch this. He offers to bind up our wounds and to heal us. He sees us when we're frustrated. And he guides us with peace. And when we're afraid, he pulls us near and he calms our fear. Guys, I'm going to leave you with this. I'm going to ask you to stand if you would. I'm going to read you Isaiah 61. I'm going to read you the first three verses. And uh, we'll pray together and go back to worship. The Bible says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and to the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of the vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant to them those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a a faint spirit, so that they may be called the oaks of righteousness, the planted of the Lord, so that he may be glorified. Church, will you join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, create 
and renew a right spirit within us. We ask you, God, that you would heal the areas of our life that need healing. We ask, God, that you would just show us the parts that we have not yet relinquished to you. Please forgive us for when we've flown solo, thinking that we could do it on our own. God, we need your love. We need your power. We need your spirit. We need you. I pray that we would be a people who would accurately display your love, both to those in the church, but especially to those that are without. Let us be the fragrance of Christ and everything within us. God, may we love you. May we love you with all of our heart, all of our mind, all of our strength. And may we love our neighbor as ourselves. Lord, we surrender to you. All of who we are, to all of who you are, be glorified, King Jesus. For yours alone is the power and the glory forever and ever and ever. And all the church says, amen, amen, and amen.